It's Rick Bassman here for Talking Tough, where each Wednesday we talk to one of the world's most toughest men or women at their most vulnerable. Whether it's a WWE superstar, the leader of the Hells Angels, the Mexican Mafia, a UFC superstar, or the head of the Navy SEALs JSOC team, the most interesting guest, having lived the largest lives, going deep behind the scenes, all the wild and crazy stories they've experienced in their lives and in their career. And then segueing to them facing down their biggest challenges. Did they hit rock bottom? If so, how did it happen? Are they still there? How did they get themselves out of it? What have they learned? It's stuff we all can relate to in our daily lives. Here at Talking Tough, we strive to be equal parts entertainment and inspiration. Please join us every Wednesday for Talking Tough at YouTube or at Launchpad One. Hey all, it's Rick Bassman here for another episode of Talking Tough. Uh, back from what I thought was a really good one last week with Al Snow. I guess as much as you could be the star of an unscripted program or reality TV as we call it, Al would be the uh, star of one of the runaway hits on Netflix these days called Wrestlers, a world that I obviously know a little bit about. Um, but we didn't talk too much about wrestling. Enough, I think, to satisfy the wrestling fan, but we went more into the journey and the struggles of what's gotten him to where he is now and uh, and the challenges he still faces and how he overcomes them on a daily basis. Um, honestly, I don't usually like the interviews that I do. Thankfully, enough people tell me they're good, that I hope I'm on the right track. But I did feel really proud about that one because we just we got into it. And, and that's the goal here on Talking Tough, uh, which I think is a perfect segue to the man I have on tonight for this edition of Talking Tough. He is, I'm happy to say, an old friend now. Uh, over, uh, I think, 12, 13 years, we've been friends. And from the day I met this guy, I was incredibly impressed. And the more I got to know him over the years or more of the time we haven't been in touch and I've witnessed him more from afar, uh, that impressiveness in my mind, in my view, continues to grow. This is a guy who, from the outside looking in, the world might think that he faced, I should say faced, maybe had thrown at him more challenges than by far the average person would, would ever fear. And you would think that because of these challenges and, and maybe how he looks, I'm just going to have to say it, that this guy's life is over. And it's anything but. And this is, this is getting to be a little confusing. My friend spent eight years in federal prison and came out as a grown adult. What do you do now? He's a black man in America. Um, I think people that, and, and, and I want to say that, and, and, and for all my black friends or, or Latino friends that are watching, you guys, I think what I say, I'm about as far from racist as, as you can get. I hope you all will support that. I never make this show about race. The reason I bring this up with my friend, who I'm going to introduce in a moment, is comes out of prison. What does he do now? What are his prospects? Are they limited? Is life over? Well, this guy, in, in addition to, to building this like stellar physique, and in addition to amassing over half a million subscribers on his YouTube channel, which is fascinating, we're going to talk about that, and over half a billion views, he continues to build empires all sorts of interesting businesses, which we'll talk about. 
But I think in my mind, his biggest accomplishment is just being one of the like most well-rounded human beings as a person that I know. That's what impresses me. I mean, the half a billion views is great. The business success is great. What really impresses me is who this guy is as a human being. And more than anything, that's why I'm happy to welcome him tonight on Talking Tough. This is my friend, Marcus Timmons, otherwise known as Big Herc. What's up, Rick? Thank you, man, for that introduction. One hell of an introduction. Um, appreciate the opportunity to be on your show again. And um, thank you for having me. And uh, I welcome your guest. Yeah, no, I thank you. And thanks for all of that. You know, I, I kind of winged the, the introduction a little bit. Um, to be transparent for those who are watching, uh, I talked to Marcus and I talked a little bit before we went live here. And I don't prep these things at all. And I don't, Marcus, as you'll learn, is very, very quick on his feet. So certainly no prep needed with you, my friend. But the one question I did ask Marcus, I'm like, hey, as a white guy, can I even talk about the black man's condition in America? Is that okay? Marcus is like, yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you straight. Um, so I, I wanted to set that up. So let's dive right into that, and then we'll go on to all the fun shit, man. You're, you're in the penitentiary for eight years, is that correct? Yeah, eight years, eight months. Eight years, eight months. Do you know, I'll bet you know how many days, right? I no, was, I don't know the exact days, but right. I, I remember when I got out. It was October uh, 2008. I can't remember the exact date, but it was right before Halloween. Okay, so you're there for eight years and eight months. How old were you when you got out? Um, shit, prob. I think I was like 30, 25, 30, maybe 32. Okay, all right. So you were uh, a mature man at that point. You weren't a kid. Yeah. Uh, you come out. At this point, you've like you've obviously busted hard. You've gone hard in prison. Look, you built yourself up physically. Um, you you know you're a guy that uh, us white movie makers in Hollywood would be like, yeah, let's cast him for a prison drama. He looks the part, right? So you, you come out with, in my mind, a lot of people have a stereotypical view of who they expect you to be as a person when you come out. Did you have, like the day you were released, did you have anything set up for yourself? Um, or were you like just starting fresh? Um, I was pretty much starting fresh, but what I did was while I was in prison, I actually had um, this book right here. I still have it. It's pretty battered. I had this journal, and I would write stuff in here, and um, I had a plan. And one of my plans was to come out with my own TV show, which is Fresh Out. So that was something I had on the back burner. So from prison, I had actually had a friend of mine on the street purchase a camera that I was going to be using to film with. And my whole goal was to film like my uh, transition back into society. So that was one of my ideas because um, I wanted to produce a show to help other people, especially young people, um, kind of give them a, a, a reflection point to see what you can do with your life if you make changes. And then I had also written a couple books. One of the books I had already published and I had like, I want to say like 1,500, maybe 2,000 copies of it. So my goal was to get out, hustle the book, um, you know, try to produce a TV show. I didn't know how to do any of these things, but I was just going off of pure, um, you know, what I read in prison from books and what other people have done. And that was kind of like my game plan was to get out and hustle. So um, 
I had that in my mind. I didn't have any girlfriend, any family members or anything out here. But what I did have was good friends and a couple people that looked out for me when I was in a halfway house. And that's how I was able to kind of like get on my feet. But, um, you know, I, I, I chose to take that route. I didn't want to go and live with some family member to go get a job at a grocery store and, you know, just basically be normal. I, I never, I never looked at that as an option to be normally back in the society, quote unquote, nine to five. So I always looked at, you know, I spent all my time in prison preparing myself, writing down all these business ideas, um, helping people with legal work, you know, hustling in there where I would help people. And that was my job. So I figured I had a skill set. All I had to do was take that skill set, whatever it was, and use it on the street to be self-employed. And that's pretty much what I did. And that's how I kind of like transitioned into um, doing a lot of the things I'm doing now. So you were, you were ambitious, you were excited, and you believed in what your pursuits were. That's probably fair to say all of that, I would think. Yeah, you know, I, I talked about it in one of the videos I did, but I used to walk around. I had a, a laundry bag, and it was like a netted bag, and I would carry my books in it. So I, I had usually a Black's Law dictionary. I had um, a couple other, like, notepads with notes, typing paper, um, Wall Street Journal, um, probably a DuPont Register or Rob Report, um, uh, maybe a, a Success Magazine or or sometimes I'd have a, a um, some type of business magazine, and I would I would have these things with me at all times, and I, that that's how I did my program. I was always studying, and I was never in prison. So my mind was as though I was going to an office. You know, I was just on hiatus. I wasn't doing time. I was just passing through. So I never really bought into any of the things there as being mine. You know, the, 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 the cell wasn't mine. The, 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 the toilet wasn't mine. This commissary bullshit wasn't mine. It was just stuff I was utilizing while I was in prison. So I never got into the whole prison mentality. Yeah, man, I was in prison. I was kicking it with big tone and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I'm watching the Lakers game. I didn't do none of that. I didn't, I didn't, I stayed in a law library. I worked out, I walked the track and meditated. And that was it. I had maybe a couple friends in there, and that was it. What do you What do you attribute that mentality to? Did you enter prison with that mentality? Is that how you were born? Is that who you were, or did something switch over at one point from something different? The day I got arrested and put the handcuffs on me, I knew that I have basically that was the end of the game. You know, I had played the game for a long time, and I, I realized that. I had allowed myself to get caught up with individuals by my own consent and free will that I should have never entertained. And there are people you entertain for the simple fact they're in maybe a social circle, but you know they're really beneath you, not to sound like you're bougie, but you, you realize that maybe they don't have the same opportunities or potential or goals or vision. So when you get involved with some of these people in different things, it doesn't play out right because they're not on the same wavelength. And I realized that, but I realized it after the fact, after I robbed the bank, you know, but, you know, I started really just paying attention. So I, I looked at the people around me. I, I listened to 
um, you know, different individuals talk. And even in prison, you're able to find on higher frequency. You got to listen a little bit, you know, more more in depth to, to to hear it, the message. But there are very intelligent people, and I was able to tap in with what I consider the smarter, more intellectual individuals in prison, and it just took me in a whole nother direction. And one thing you can't play both sides. You can't you can't go over here and play in this sandbox and come over here and play. You got to make a choice because what you what you put over here. It's like mixing ingredients. It's, it's gonna have. It's gonna eventually. It's gonna get in this little mixture over here. So now you don't have a pure uh, whatever uh, sourdough bread. Now you got some cinnamon in here. You got some pumpkin spice because you've been mixing the, the pie with the with the with the sourdough. And so you can't use the same spoon. So it's either clean break or no break. And so I prefer to just kind of keep it clean, but keep it copacetic. And that's a fine line because a lot of people. When they feel that you think you're better than them, they feel some kind of way and they want to do something to you. So I had to make sure I, I, I straddled that line so that these guys didn't consider me to be an enemy. But at the same time, I didn't want to get pulled into conversations or energy that got me in prison. You got to, I, I, I had, I've already seen it. So, you know, when you, when you start talking and hanging out with certain people, you, 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 when you, you communicate, Communication is a very powerful thing. It's energy. And as you communicate, and if you're talking all the time, oh, man, you know, remember that time we did this and did that? Pretty soon, you're feeding that energy into a reality, and then that reality becomes a part of your conscious. And so now that is in your subconscious, and you might entertain things relating to that subconscious thought. So if that's what got you in trouble, you know you can't do the same thing. So you got to totally change your mind frame. So I literally in prison did a full evaluation of who I was. And I basically, I took my, my, my subconscious and stripped it down to the bare bones, to the chassis and nut and bolt restoration. I did a nut and bolt restoration of who I am as a person. Wow. Okay. So you're very disciplined. That comes across immediately. And you, you brought that discipline in a really started a whole different type the day you got there, right when the cuffs went on, as you said. One thing that's really stood out, you said it a few minutes ago, is well, you, you mentioned the word hustle a few times. And, you know, a lot of people have a connotation of hustle being something that's like a little nefarious. And I just wanted to clarify, I know with you, hustle means you're disciplined, you're, 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 you're goal-directed. So I, I wanted to say that before I went into the next. You said when you, made, you had an idea to make a show, TV show, um, you know, right away someone's going to think, well, maybe it's like to come out and show what it's like to be a baller or something like that. But what you said was you wanted to make a show to help people, to show them how you can better yourself. Where, now, that's a whole different type of mentality. Why, why do you think that was your motivation as opposed to coming out and like making a show about being like a tough guy or something like that? Well, go, going back to, like you said, did a lot of the start of my childhood, the, the cuff transformation was part of me acknowledging that I had to make a shift in my paradigm. But before that, as a kid, I was very studious. I was a straight-A student, man. I, I, you know, school was very, it, it wasn't hard for me, but I, I would get very, I was the type of kid, like when I studied, 
if if I did something and I knew I, it wasn't perfect and somebody like my mom would tell me, I would get mad at myself for not catching the mistakes that she saw in my in my in my essay or my book report or in my math equation. So I was very almost I mean obsessive when it came to good grades and perfection in my schoolwork. I didn't want any any red marks on my paper. I I, I prided myself on showing up to school on time, being on a on, on a on a what do you on a roll 4.0. I got 4.0 all the way up until probably ninth grade. Maybe I got between all the way up until ninth grade. Maybe I got two Bs in my whole life. Maybe three tops, but probably two Bs. I would get straight A's. So I was overly obsessive when it came to education and school and reading, and I hated to be considered like uh uh not smart enough so i always push myself and then me being that type of mentality i guess one night when i did get exposed and got caught up you know in the streets and started getting into trouble because i never really got in trouble as a kid um i didn't really catch it but i was always trying to figure things out my whole thing about anytime i did anything illegal was Basically, it wasn't for drug use or anything like that. I was looking for an escape. I knew the life wasn't black and white. I knew there was a gray area, so I was trying to figure that out. I went to juvenile hall at 15 for selling crack. Got caught up, got out, and stayed oh, out of trouble. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. How do you go from being a straight-A student, sound like you had a positive influence uh, at home in your mother, um, you were disciplined. How do you go from that to selling crack? Can you get back in, like, what was in your head at that time where you made that choice? You, you know, it, it, to be honest, bro, if I would have never left the military base, my mom got a divorce when I was prob when I was 13 or 12, right? 12, 12, I think 12 or 13, roughly maybe 13. I was skateboarding at BMX before they had X Games. You know, I was into Trans World, Thrasher Magazine. You know, I knew all about Mark Gonzalez, Mark Guerrero, Rob Roscoff. I was a hardcore skater, hardcore BMXer, Mike Dominguez. I had, you know, both bikes and skateboard. I'd go back and forth between which profession I wanted to do, even though there was no money back then. You know, I looked up to Steve Cavallaro, looked up to Tony Hawk, Natus Coppice. I was really into that scene. And on the military base where I lived at and the skateboard in San Francisco, that was kind of like the culture. Now, when I moved, my mom got divorced. I moved back to a neighborhood that I had lived at before, but in a different part, that neighborhood, it was like kind of like thrown into like a cultural, like a, a, a cultural shitbox. And when I started seeing like economically speaking or how, it was different, like like my mom, you know, three, you know, she had me and, and two, I had a brother and sister, three kids, single parent. You know, a lot of debt. She, you know, my grandfather helped us out, got us a house, but the house is in an area. It, 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 you know, wasn't super bad, but it was like it was a lot of drugs on the street, and that influenced. Like I was skateboarding stuff, but that influenced gradually. The skateboard kind of like the basketball took the place of the skateboard. You know, uh, your, your, your environment changed. I mean, it changed, man. So. You know, I'll be skateboarding, and it's pretty intense. I'm skateboarding in the hood, and there's a lot of brothers playing hoop. I do how to play hoop, too, but I'd be out here skateboarding in Jimmy Z's, and, and you know, I have my little hat on, skull hat on, and, you know, it was like, okay, do I continue to skateboard? And I hang out with all my little white friends, 
and kind of like, you know, or I'm in school now and it's a little bit different. Do I get more, you know, do I acclimate into that? So it's a lot, it was a lot of decision making. And a lot of kids go through this around 13, 14. So going into high school, I kind of got, skateboarding kind of got pushed to the side, even though I was getting better at it. So me being one of the kids, because maybe because I am what I considered I was kind of smart at the time, I'm like, well, you know, freshman year, I had trigonometry, Spanish, and a couple other chemistry. So I had a pretty, pretty decent classes, but I'm thinking like, man, maybe, you know, the streets, I see what's going on. Maybe that's a way for me to make some money and get in and, and kind of like dabble in that and, you know, can maybe make some other moves. So I didn't know what I was doing, but, you know, I asked somebody, hey, man, you know, how are these guys making all this money, man? I see guys pulling out wads and the lunch line. I see these guys rolling these cars with music. And they're like, dude, they're drug dealers. I'm like, what are they selling? You know, I didn't know shit. Nobody in my family did any of that. So I didn't even know what crack looked like. And, you know, a dude told me one time, he said, Marcus, man, you don't want to mess with that stuff, man. I'm like, why not, man? I mean, dude, look at you. You floss and stuff. He's like, man, you know, this is, you know, this life, you don't want to be involved in this, man. You should, you know, stick with what you're doing. You're a smart dude. But I didn't listen, man, because I felt like I knew better. And so eventually I, I found somebody that sold me $20 worth of crack. And it was, I got $40 worth of crack for $20. Well, here here comes the entrepreneur, Marcus. It <laughs> comes the entrepreneur. And, and, you know, the first day I, I, I was hustling and I made X amount of dollars, a couple hundred bucks first day, and I was hooked. And sure. so I got caught up in that, man. And, and, you know, once you get caught up in that fast money and you see, like, what it could do, it was a program in my mind. So I always seen that 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 gray area. But – um. You know, going going back to, like you said, why I want to help people, because I did go to juvenile hall, and I seen what was in juvenile hall. When I was in juvenile hall, and I went to the board I'm sorry to interrupt, because I, I want to spend some real time on why you want to help people. So I have to interrupt only to say this. Like, I've known, I've known you for all these years, as I mentioned in the introduction, and I knew the story about when you went in, the day you went in, how you came out. I never knew this story prior. Um, I didn't know how you got into, you know, the illicit stuff. And the way you explained it at first, I, can't, I couldn't imagine that you went from, like, straight-A student one day, let's sell crack the next. And that is, like, such a perfect explanation. And, and it, it just makes, it makes a ton of sense. It's a comment. There's not a question in that. Um, and I just wanted to say, I mean, we, we all, all of us are largely products of our environment, so you found yourself in a new environment, and you kind of, like, you always run your own show, and I know that. But at a certain point in life, we all go along with the program a little bit, and, and obviously you did. And that's, I think, the thing I've always found so fascinating about you is you did extremely the opposite coming out. You, um, you, you like, invented a whole new program. You hardly acquiesced to your environment. So I, I just wanted to kind of make that as a point. Um, until or to segue into the guy that years later at 32 is helping people so please pick back up from from when i jumped in and interrupted you well you know uh you made a great point there that i i totally went against everything in prison which i did the total opposite with the program but it took a strong it took a stronger more more spiritually grounded markets to understand that as a kid i was lost bro no dad you know no no major male role model you know 
I tell you right now, people think, oh, man, you know, these women are raising great kids. Dude, it's, it's not a woman can raise it, but she's not. She can raise you to go up in age, but she's not raising you. You need a man. You need a man, dude, to, to, to kind of put foot in your ass or, you know, kind of like put things in perspective, tell you some things. He'll tell you a story. Some, you know, your dad or your, and you'll be like, wow, man, you know, and you'll think. So when you see somebody else, some other kid, some other man on the street, you'll think like, damn, man, I remember my dad said something about that, and it'll snap. But when you don't have that, you're just like picking up shit from everywhere. This dude over here, you're watching him. He's drinking a 40. He's working out. You might not pick up the 40, but you're going to work out like him because you see he, he's like, okay, he's swole. This guy over here, he's a sharp dresser. Got girls. He's a player, but he smokes. He looks like he smokes uh, weed and maybe a little bit of dope. You don't want to do the dope smoking, but you want the girls. You pick up bits and pieces to kind of create yourself. And depending on what you pick up, it could be good or bad, you know, how you perceive it. So you pick up these things, but you don't realize what you pick up until you get older and you think like, God, man, how did I pick up this habit of drinking whiskey or how did I pick up this habit of going to the bar? Or how did I pick up this habit of being a, a, an abuser? You know, these are things you picked up, but you've never really realized where you picked them up at, good or bad. But these are influences. And there comes a time where you can actually reflect and acknowledge these influences. But when I'm going through juvenile hall, my mom is young. I'm young, man. I don't know. I'm 14, 15 up in there. Everybody's gang banged out. Everybody's on super swole. You know, most of these guys are professional drug dealers. You know, I'm in there because I got caught slipping. And, you know, when you're trying to be sneaky, you're going to get caught. You're, you're running around selling dope behind my mom's back. You're going to get caught. But I'm in there, and I'm seeing this, and I'm like, wow, you know, this is what the other side goes through, and this is the system. Went to, you know, so I ended up spending over six months in juvenile hall, not all in juvenile hall, but in a boy's ranch with other young men gang banged out, you know, uh, doing activities in there, going to school, whatever, and then got out, and then I stayed out of trouble, and then I got caught up again when I got out of high school, hanging out with some guys, again, again, influenced, and made some bad choices, and caught uh, accessory to a home invasion, and so I ended up doing two years, eight months for that case in CYA, so that's California Youth Authority, and that's basically like uh, gladiator school for the penitentiary. Yeah, so, that's not a these, good place for a young man, I know. No. So, you know, the influences weren't the best, but I still found some positive in those influences, but it wasn't until I got older and I could see like, well, damn, how could I have talked to, how could I have helped the younger Marcus at 13, that skateboarder, that kid before he started selling dope, that kid before he wanted to go get a pistol, that kid before he wanted to claim some neighborhood that didn't give a damn about him. How could I reach that kid and maybe made a positive impact on his life? And that's what made me want to do the show, essentially, to go back and, you know, be a uh, kind of like an Internet dad to some of these kids who don't have it. And do you um, do you hear a lot from these kids that are watching? Oh, your show? And, and I, I, if so, what is like a probably nothing typical, but what is like a sample of uh outreach that you would have come to you i'm, I'm gonna tell you something right now I, I actually i just read it i just read it the other day i'm a, um
Oh, this is this is one right here. This guy sent this in not too long ago. He said, "Dear Mr. Hurt, if if th that is the correct title, I just want to send you a message of appreciation. I myself am not in the direct risk of ending up in prison, but I really like your content." I respect the fact, along with your life story, you prove the capacity of human growth and wisdom. I try to imagine you as the gangster you described on the inside, and I can only imagine a wise man with a life experience only a few men have. You will never learn me how to behave in prison because I'm a square as mathematically possible, but I learn from you that a man can grow, learn and wise up no matter the cards you get. That alone got me out of a very negative spiral and gave me hope, and I cannot be more thankful. I watch your stuff, not for the hints and tips regarding prison life, but for you as a character. In a very unplanned way, your videos made me grow up, made me more of a grown-up and a responsible man. I could not go on in life without thanking you. For a very long time, I did not have a father figure to look up to because of drugs and I need to find my examples elsewhere. Although our lives are polar opposites, I'm from a small city in Europe called Antwerp in Belgium. I still connected and learned from you because your content radiates a certain wisdom that every man can use in life, inside or out. Again, I want to thank you for that. Along with people like David Goggins, you were part of my maturity process as a young man, and out of respect, I felt obligated to personally thank you for that even if the changes are slim that you can respond uh, as a big content creator, you taught me how to re how respect goes a long way, how to be more careful around people whose intentions I don't know, and how to create connections with people I might find intimidating. Those things alone help me immensely. Again, thank you. I hope you stay as eloquent as you are right now. I love the no-nonsense experience-based stories that apply to all walks of life, and the wisdom that radiates through it. Somehow, in a magical turn of events, I'd hope to share a meal and conversation with you one day. Kind regards and a big hurt thank you from a listener who sees how your life and your story taught, taught me more than I would ever expect. Wow. Dude, that's beautiful. <laughs> hey, I want to tell him that one thing he doesn't have to worry about is you ever not being eloquent. He, he doesn't have to worry about that. Um, Marcus, how... Look, those, those of us who do philanthropy at all, we do it for who we're doing it for, but we do it for ourselves also because it feeds our own heart, feeds our own soul, feeds our own ego, and that's okay. Ego can be a good thing, as you know. Um, how do you feel getting a letter like that? What is, like, your visceral yeah. reaction to that? You know, it, 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 makes it, it makes it worthwhile. So in spite of the censorship, in spite of, like, not, you know, getting the – uh, social media accolades, you know, it, it, I know that my message is still getting out there, even though I don't see the numbers, because the numbers are suppressed. It's reaching the right people, it's changing the right lives, and it's making a difference. And I know that by me keeping my integrity, and me being honest about my experiences, who I am, I'm doing more good than bad. So in the long run, I feel better by continuing to have my message be one of positivity rather than glorifying, you know, robbing people, you know, shooting at people, doing things that aren't uh, becoming as a positive human being.
Wow. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's such a great, it's such an unbelievably powerful message. And there's like so, a million questions off of that. Um, you know, pro- probably one of the biggest ones is, is this. This guy from Antwerp, Belgium, and I was just in Belgium recently, so I know exactly where that, well, I hopefully I would know where that is anyway, being, being an educated person myself to a degree. Um, this guy was not a criminal, as he said in the letter. Um, he talked about you influencing him, you meeting him where he is. Um, and, and that's a thing I love about your message. It's not about, oh, how to survive in prison, how to rehabilitate yourself after you come out of prison. I mean, you obviously could teach a college course in that, but it's how to live a full life no matter who you are. There, there are a lot of people in America, in Belgium, and everywhere these days who are just suffering, man. It's part of the human condition these days. And I don't want to get into why, because then that bleeds into politics, and I don't like doing that shit, and I don't think you do either. I don't know. It's, that's up to you. Um, but you meet a kid like this in an elevator who is, you know, sad, lonely, depressed. Um, what, you know, the elevator's got eight floors to climb. You got 60 seconds in there with this kid. You can sense what's going on with him. What can you tell somebody during that elevator ride, the elevator pitch, as we call it in Hollywood, that might get them thinking about managing their life in a different way? Um, You know, it's all about you have free will your mind, even though you think that you don't. And I tell people sometimes just unplug from social media for a minute and think about that happy place. Think about, you know, a place where, if you could go there right now, or if you can have that ideal reality, what would that be? What does that look like? If you can't define that, then you're you're not going to be able to create anything that changed your current predicament. So for myself, I would always picture myself, you know, even when I was in Lompoc, USP, and there was a, a dark rain cloud over the prison, because it always seemed like it was a dark cloud over the prison, and you could look at a distance and it'd be light. It's like the energy was just so dark and negative. And I would be walking the track with my friend, my mentor, and I'd be talking about like, yeah, man, if, you know, we were in L.A., bro, you know, you know, they got that new that new Ferrari or they got that old school. What would you pull up in? And we'd be talking. And so we would always be somewhere else. And I would try to create that 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 visualization of what that would be. And later on, even when I when I went to another location I had a vision board on my prison cell wall right by my bunk, and I would look at it at night, and I had, like, a picture of, like, different places I went to visit. I had a picture of uh, um, money, nice cars, watches, houses, just different things, and I would always visualize, even though I didn't have, you know, a $1,000, $200, I'd be like, one day I'm going to be in Miami on a cigarette boat. One day I'm going to be, and I would be doing these things. And literally I was programming my subconscious for these things to be my norm. So whatever it is you want, you got to, you got to deeply embed these codes so that you truly believe because you've been taught to believe your current reality. That's why you're living it. How, whatever it is, whether you're living in a shithole apartment in East LA, whether you're living in Beverly Hills, whether you're living on Skid Row, you've created that through programming. So you have to reprogram that. And so you realize you can do that. And, and sometimes you might think it's corny, 
but you know, go get you, you know, I don't know, I used to play scrapbooks when I was a kid, you cut pictures out and, and create scenarios and 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 create that 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 whole visual that whole visual and believe it. You gotta believe, it. you can't just do something and believe it. And you also gotta have an action. You can't just say, okay, I wanna do something and not actually execute an action to trigger something that can make that happen. Perfect example is like, I didn't have shit when I got out, but when I first got a car through a friend of mine, I would drive all the way from the halfway house into like, uh, uh, or actually I was, at that time I had a, I was renting a room. I would drive to Beverly Hills, I'm not Beverly Hills, Malibu, and I would try to hang out where the rich people hung out. I didn't have no money to even buy. Maybe I could buy me a little pasta dish because it was cheap, 16 bucks, 18 bucks. But I would go in there. I had on clothes that I bought at Ross. I didn't have nothing super fancy because I couldn't afford it. But I would just hang out. I'm like, maybe I'll catch a rich lady or maybe I'll meet somebody. But I was trying to be around money, even when I was dead broke. When I was homeless, man, you remember my dog, Ramon, of course? Yeah. When I was homeless, I used to take Ramon down to Malibu, and we would walk the beach on Malibu Colony and jog on the beach there. And uh, I had to throw that in there. Dude, I relate to what you're saying. Go ahead, please. I'm the king so, of the so, so the thing is, like you said, you have to – It's not. Real, I don't know if you use the word trick, but you have to mentally believe that. You can't not – you can't say it but and then sit back and drink a beer. you got to go do something to, to – actually make that become a reality, become true. And so I would do these different things, but I would tell a person like, look, man, your first step, even if you um, are catching the bus, so catch the bus, go to Santa Monica, walk the beach. Look at those, those condos down there and visualize if you can live there or catch the bus, go to Huntington and visualize if you could be anywhere, what would you be doing? And see people, look at people, and, and just try to like try to vibe, change your vibe, and once you do that, you'll feel different. And then you got to make it an exercise and continue to do it. And then on top of that, find things that you think will accommodate your life to make this all become a reality. You know, it doesn't have to be a nine to five, but things that you want to do. Maybe you want to get into you know buying and selling skateboard parts on eBay, or 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 maybe painting houses or detailing cars. But you got to start. You got to work towards something. And I would tell a person, man, whatever it is that you thought about doing that you put a smile on your face, go do it. Quit what you're doing, whatever it is you're, that's making you miserable. Go and find what makes you happy. And even if you don't make no money off it right away, because, you know, it, it takes a while to really build that. When you start making money, you'll be so happy, man. You'll be doing what you want to do in life. Yeah, it doesn't have to be an overnight change or baby. No. Step. Discipline. So you're, you're incredibly disciplined, man, and you, I think you, you've exercised your mind even more than you've exercised your body, and that's saying a lot. Yeah. Do you still get down on occasion? And so two-part question, do you still get down? And if so, how do you get out of it? Um, yeah, you know what, I do because I beat myself up, and sometimes I don't um, express, maybe I don't express enough gratitude when I look at my house, which, I, you know, I'm like, wow, you know, I'm in this place right here and I should be very grateful and, and, and give my blessings to the universe for what I have. And, you know, I, I, you know, I get caught up maybe looking at what somebody else has or what somebody else has done and think, man, you know, if I don't have that, what does that mean? You know, I should have, you know, I should be at this level. 
But you know what? You can't compare what somebody else has to. You don't know what they're doing for real. You don't know what's behind closed doors. You're just looking at something, and that could be anything. So I pulled back from trying to compare myself to other people in a sense of where I'm at and just being grateful for where I'm at and what I have. And when I, and when I do feel like I am stuck in a place, I think about to when I had nothing, when I had just enough money to catch the bus, go window shop at the mall, and then go back to the halfway house, how happy I was to be free. It was better than Christmas. It was better than anything I've ever felt in my life, you know, being able to have my freedom to be able to, you know, go somewhere and, and not be, you know, have a guard behind me. So I like think about that and I snap right out of it. I'm like, dude, you know, look, here I am, you know, I'm doing all these different things, you know, and, and, and uh, when I got this email, I was asking the universe, like, what is my calling, man? I mean, dude, I've been doing this show on YouTube. I help all these people. But then I look at the guys who talk about shooting people, gang stuff, and, you know, pushing this really low frequency shit, you know, you know, all the, lo- like, this really ghetto, they're getting all the, all the endorsements, all the money. I'm like, damn, man, did I, did I just, did I spend 10 years talking about the wrong thing? Should I have been talking about gutter shit and maybe that would have been my ticket and I would have been. Yeah, you don't do that for more than a half a second though, man. No, that's, that's about as long as the thought popped in my head. But right. then, like I said, I get an email like this and I'm like, you know what? Those guys, will they'll never impact anybody like this. And what I know, I'm changing life. You know, these people are, you know, I, Antwerp, man. I mean, dude, how far removed is this individual from my life? But he found something that he could relate to. So I stick with what I do, and I know it's going to pay off in the long run because I've kept my integrity. And I didn't do ten, eight years, eight months in prison with no bullshit to get out here and sell out. I can't do it. So that, that okay, good, good. Yeah, I was wondering. So you, you have your moments, obviously, because everybody does, of course. You know, it's mm-hmm. like sitting, sitting here now. I, I've got this really nice house in L.A. these days. I live in L.A., but whatever. I have a nice house in L.A. Um, and, you know, you, you know, you know the path I've taken as well. And I could be sitting in this beautiful house with my four beautiful dogs on my beautiful furniture that I purchased last year when I moved in here. And I can find myself like sometimes spiraling into these dark places. And it's like what, what I do now is if I, I, you know, eventually I'll catch myself. I don't think I'm as quick on my feet as you are. So I wanted to ask what tools you have and what you use. I have a word now. It's my safe word. I say to myself, I go, stop. I recognize when the spiral is happening. I say, stop. And then I'll do something like this. It's like, give myself an exercise. We know that sitting here, you're right now, if I wasn't talking to you, if you weren't talking to me, we're sitting in the chair you're in, I'm sitting in the chair I'm in. We don't have any outside stimulus around us. We can test ourselves and go, I can make myself very sad right now or very upset or very depressed just by what I think. Nothing has to happen for that to happen. Or I can make myself positive, motivated, happy. To me, that like, that tells me everything. Um, you did that with the worst circumstances surrounding you. You did that in a hardcore penitentiary. I did that. I have a photo that I should show to you sometime where I'm in a forest in Northern California when I had three dogs, Ramon, Gogo, and Eos. 
and we're on a beautiful path. It was sunny. I had someone take a photo. And I've got my arms around my dogs, and we're all smiling. They have the pit bull smiles. I have my forest smile. That was the day I went homeless. And I'm like, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? But I realized in that moment that I had a choice to decide which direction I wanted to go in with my thoughts, recognizing that you can build upon those thoughts to take the baby steps that you're talking about. And I think it's important for people out there that are watching you now and going, well, yeah, he was like that, but people that aren't getting the message, yeah, he was like that in prison, but now he's where he is now and got half a billion views. He's probably making a lot of money, and, and I hope I'm not asking, but I, I think you're doing well, and I hope you're doing really well because you deserve it. And he's in this great position. So what does he have to worry about now? But I, but I think it's really important that people understand that no matter who you are, where you are in life, that we're living life every single day, and that we can all run the risk of going to that dark place, just like Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade did a couple of years, two days apart from one another. Famous people, rich, good-looking, everything in the world. I can't imagine what was in their heads to take their own lives. So the whole point of this monologue or this diatribe is for people to recognize that you've come an incredibly long way, but you're still human, and that you face life every day just like everybody else does. So... You, you did answer the question, but I want to dig a little bit deeper. Do you, like, what, what does a dark day or a dark moment look like for you now? Or do you really just, are you able to squat, like, nip it right in the bud when it starts to come up? Well, you know what I've been doing? You know, I, as a child, I used to draw and paint a lot. That was, like, my escape when I was a kid, and um, I used to be in my room as a kid or just, like, you know, trying to create a fantasy because I always had these fantasies that I would create, like, and put myself in scenarios. And so I would draw and sketch and paint. So lately, uh, this the place I'm at now, I actually have been producing a lot of artwork. And I've tuned out of social media, man. Once you tune out, like, before I got out of prison, I never watched the news. I never watched any, really, any sports. I didn't know. I couldn't tell you who won the Super Bowl, what song came out. Any, I can't really tell you anything about entertainment or the news from 2000 outside of 9-11 up until 2008. You know, there was a couple of shows here and there, but for the most part, all I did was study and read and write and work on myself and try to get out of prison early. And so when I got out, I didn't really know about, like, you know, the, the housing crash. You know, I knew a little bit about, like, you know, you should have invested in gold and silver, but I wasn't caught up in social media. And what I realized, social media has become so toxic. It's become such a dark, just, just, uh, uh, um, it, it, you know. Internet's the worst fucking thing that ever happened to this planet. Dude, it's, it's worse than, it's worse than, it's worse than being an alcoholic. It's <laughs> yeah. worse than smoking dope. If yeah. you look at all this stuff and you keep looking at your picture, you're looking at people not talking to you, you're looking at other people. You're looking at this, you're like, what is my life? What am I? And you just, it just, dude, that shit will destroy you. So I don't really look at, you know, I only do stuff Rick to post. Like, I'll put it here in your TikTok, but sometimes I paint, and dude, I'll paint for six, seven hours. I'll listen to some old R&B, some, uh, some old Led Zeppelin, some old uh, Doobie Brothers, some Marvin Gaye. Dude, I'll paint a picture. I'll get down in my zone like when I, and, and I don't even... 
I don't listen and I don't even I tune out. I don't want to hear about what's going on on Fox, CNN, MSNBC. Who cares? I just tune out, do what I need to do, and then know that you know I have my responsibilities. But I don't care because all that stuff is it's just really it weighs you down and you don't realize it. But imagine just somebody she keeps stacking weights and you're holding it, you're holding a a a, a, a like a plank on your head. And you're like, God damn. Pretty soon your your neck is hurting, and it, once you take all that shit off, it's like you 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 got rid of the, the the burden. You know, you feel like wow because you tuned out. That's the problem. When I, I these last couple of weeks, I've tuned out. I actually like probably months, and dude, I felt so much better. Like I don't I don't listen. Like when I when I do my drives, I drive from Arizona to L.A. I listen to positive positive stuff. You know, people who are really you know. Uh, uh, energetic, high frequency. The music, I don't listen to any more gangster rap. I don't listen to nothing about nobody killing nobody, robbing nobody. I, I, I stopped listening to all that shit. I listened to like, I did an experiment. I listened to like, like I said, Otis Redding, Marvin Gaye. Uh, uh, so the Spinners got inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. I was so happy. Hey, man, one of my favorite bands. But Oh, uh, the Spinners, yep. When I listened to that, and then I try to listen to other stuff. It doesn't. It doesn't go together. And I realize, man, that shit is it's horrible, bro. So a lot of people, it's hard for people to discipline themselves to let go of that. But social media, Rick, that right there. If you want to flip the script, try three or four days of not looking at Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, um, whatever else they got out there. You also here. mentioned, and you mentioned the news. You don't yes. forget CNN, forget yes. Fox. So, yeah. I've never seen like those two. No. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good advice, yeah. man. That is really good advice. Yeah. And find you something that you can do that gives you pleasure. Whether it's you out there, you know, um, maybe, you know, uh, doing your landscaping or planning or, you know, cleaning your cleaning your car or something that makes you feel like, wow, like you're, you're you know, a passion. Something that makes you feel good about something that's what you want to something disruptive into. anything yes sure yes dude i really appreciate it. I, I i love doing this show and this this is like this is such a great conversation with you you just gave me something big i have to i have to come clean and admit that i've been looking at the news every day for about two months now and, oh, oh dude here's how bad it's gotten like with the whole israel and gaza condition i've been reading the Israel, the Israel Times, and then I'll flip over and I'll watch, and I'll check this out, Mar Marcus. I read the Tehran Times. There's an English language version of a newspaper from Tehran, Iran, and you can imagine what that says. I mean, you think you think CNN and Fox are extreme. You should read the Israel Times and the Tehran Times. And so here's my big takeaway, one of my many takeaways from our conversation tonight. And I'll challenge all of our listeners out there to do the same. As Marcus said, stay off social or give yourself seven days. Stay off news for seven days. Do something constructive. Here's an easy one. If you can't think of something, there's a website I used to like to read that I haven't gone back to, and now I'm going to. I mean, starting tomorrow. It's called goodnewsnetwork.com. If you have to go log on to a website, try that one. It's just a yeah. thought. You know, I, I've seen a, um, I sent a video to my mom. I was watching. Typically, there's a lot of garbage, but on social media, sometimes I like looking at a lot of car stuff because I'm a car guy. And then I, this, this little kid popped up, 
And I love kids, man. My mom did daycare growing up. I love kids because they're so pure before they're, you know, indoctrinated, you know. So there was a kid on there, a child, two years old. This kid couldn't even talk. He was, he was like mumbling baby language, but he was doing math. This kid had 100 times 5, uh, 49 divided by 7, 6 times 6. I'm looking like, dude, a two-year-old who just got out. Look, he looked like he didn't have a diaper. Like he's already probably, but he's doing math on this little board, and he's, he's talking in baby talk. I'm like, dude, this is incredible, man. Look at our kids. Look at these kids, bro. Without the garbage of racism, the the, the evils of this damn uh, drag story hour, just the innocence of a kid, and you're giving them the tool. Look what he can do. So I'm like, when you get back to the purity, you know, and the purity, sometimes I think, you, ever, you remember when you were a kid and you used to drink out the water hose, and you would, you would look in the grass, and you would see bugs, you were like, damn, I wonder what kind of world the ants or the beetles have down in the ground, and I would catch I would be tripping out on this stuff on Saturdays. I wouldn't be playing video games. I would be nature man. I'd look at bugs. I would, you know, skateboard and do different things. But sometimes I go, like, going back to that childhood, that childhood uh, uh, openness. Because when you're a child, you feel you could do anything. There's a ramp, right? And you know, if you looked at that ramp today, you're like, God, that's some crazy-ass shit. You'd ride your bike. You're like, I'm going to jump this shit. You'd have your friend lay down. I'm going to jump over you. Your friend would lay down, and you'd like look at like, and you'd ride your dirt bike and jump over off this rickety ramp to jump over your friend. Now, as a grown man, if somebody told you like, man, shit, I ain't getting down there. But as a kid, you could do anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As a as an adult, you can still do anything. But they tricked us into buying into their bullshit, which has stopped our creativity, our child innocence, our third eye. We we were invincible as kids. You would climb a tree, you'd look like, damn, how the hell did I get way up here? And then come all the way down the tree. You know what I mean? So I like to go back to that, and that's where I meditate sometimes and go back to that and think about these childhood memories I had as a kid playing or, or hanging out with my grandpa, washing his cars with him, you know, things like that, rather than, like you said, I stopped listening to all that shit, man. I'm like, dude, that shit, it's, 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 made, it's made for us to feel like we're powerless. I'm I'm play I'm off of it starting right now. So thank you thank you for that. So you're saying that even at this age, your age, my age, who's ever age, we can still create. We can go back and create our own world of wonder, no matter what's going on out there. What's I mean, we can't ignore we can we can't ignore to a degree what's going on out there. We don't have to buy into it, but we can create our own world of wonder. Can we go back to that? Think about why do you why do you need Think about all the people, Rick, who have us listening to that. If, we, if nobody listened to that, they would be powerless. Commercials would have no value. Nobody would buy their shit. Nobody would go to the football game. They're powerless without us. We give them the power because we comment. They know. They look. They're like, our news ratings are down. Nobody's watching. What are we? Somebody, what's going on? Just, they need us. If we tune out and we go to being who we are and just – doing what we need to do to keep a roof over our head and, and being successful and happy. Dude, we can live autonomously. We don't even need those people. They need us. They need us to fill their matrix. We don't need their, we don't need them. And that's the trick. Once we realize that we have true freedom. That's when you can do whatever you want, man, because it doesn't matter what's going on. 
dude, people think like, oh my God, this shit, shit goes on when they had the Revolutionary War and those individuals who signed their name to rise up against the British uh, 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 aristocracy and decided to say, hey, we're going to challenge these people as farmers. It wasn't everybody. Most people kept doing what they were doing. Yep. It was a handful of dudes. Everybody thinks it's got to be a big dude. It was what? How many people signed a declaration? Like twenty that signed their lives on the line, and they right. were sneaking around. Dude, that wasn't a bunch of people. A lot of people were telling on them. Everybody else is still going to the football game, right? Yes, right. So it doesn't. We don't. You know what I mean? It's not like you need a bunch of people to make a revolution. We can make our own choice. Take our own yeah. power. I look at that all the time when you start looking at history and, 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 and defiance and, and independence and people who live happily. Look at look at some of the Amish. They live so, dude, they don't know what they're, they don't care. They're happy doing their thing. People can say they're not happy, but you don't know. They're doing their, they don't care. They're doing their thing. Yep. Leave them alone. See what I'm saying? You can have your own paradise here. Your, your paradise is in here. It's whether or not you want to fertilize it you want to nurture it and you got to get back to that and that's how i look at it like man i got to get back to nurturing that and then finding other people who feel the same way who aren't caught up because i do tests now when i talk to people and if our people are kind of caught up i'm like there's people rick i'm like seriously i'm like you know they're like hey man you know hit me up or let's go to one i'm like oh man i'd rather go by myself you know i they're not bad people but they're Dude, I'm at a point now where I'm very – I just don't want to waste my, my time. My personal time is too important. I got it. So, so I think the moral to this story is you and I should gather up a few of our like-minded friends, go to some crazy deserted island, and start our own Amish colony. <laughs> right? There you go. Man, that wouldn't be bad. That wouldn't be bad, man. Uh, what, what kind of art are you making? Oh, man. Um I got, this is a piece I just did uh, recently. I'm working on getting to Kevin Hart. Oh, wow. Look at that. So it's like a pop art, kind of like, um, I'm trying to figure out the angle. Uh, pop art slash uh, portraits. So that's, that's, Is that mainly what you're doing, our portraits? Yeah, I'm doing portraits. I do... Um, cartoon characters. I got a couple commissions. I just did one for Aaron Lewis, the lead figure for Stain. Um, mm -hmm. I did a couple of BB King for a guy. I got uh, Easy E. I did. So I, I just, you know, I, I get up here and I zone out and I, you know, sometimes I stay up to like one in the morning listening to so old soul music or old rock and roll. And then, um, you know, I feel, I get like, I kind of like through my art, through painting, it like I channel out all that energy. It's almost like, you know, you got a pressure cooker, you can work out, you can do things, but sometimes you have to have a conduit to transfer that energy into something else. And so that's my way of transferring energy and allow me to express my creativity and, 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 and not have things bottled in. And I feel like I'm free when I'm doing that, you know, listening to the music. Listen, I listened to like last night, I listened to like Santana for like two hours and I'm listening, watching the listen, looking at some of the videos. I'm like, Man, these people were living life, man, you know. And so, like I said, I I, I don't listen. To, I stopped listening to all the, you know, the, I, like the political stuff and this crime, this, that. I mean, 
dude, I'm over it. I'm done. I don't want to hear it. I just want to do my thing and find people who are interested in sharing in my art and people I can talk to and we can have a good time and, 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 and being in harmony. You don't, you know, we don't have to live in misery or have drama. Everybody wants to have a drama situation. Why? We don't have to entertain it. Why do we need drama? Why do we always, why can't we just talk about things that are, inner, inner, you know, making us so happy? Hey, Rick, man, how you doing all, bro? Yeah, you're going over here doing this. Why can't it all be positive? They've conditioned us to entertain negative frequencies, man. Yep. We don't have to talk about bad stuff. All a choice, isn't it, man? It's all a choice. Where, man, this hour has flown by, Marcus. Holy cow! Hour and four minutes. <laughs> uh, where do people check in with you to follow you um, and to get to be able to associate themselves with this great vibe? Which your- um, they can go to my IG, Big Herc Nine One Six. They can go to Big Herc Nine One Six, my YouTube channel. Um, they can also go to Fresh Out my YouTube channel and freshoutseries.com, my website, my other website, but I'm Big Kirk916, uh, the YouTube, I do a lot of like reflecting videos, just like very like inspirational, motivational stuff, conversations like this, where I just kind of go on rants and um, yeah, man, that's, that's pretty much, you know, people can email me at bigkirk916.com and um, communicate like this, man. I usually, somebody send me a message. I usually holler back. Okay, great, great. So on the uh, video version of this, we'll put all the URLs across the bottom when we edit it. For okay. the audio version only, folks out there, it's at big, B-I-G, Herc, H-E-R-C, 916. Is that right, Marcus? That's yep. YouTube. Yep. That's also Instagram. Yep. And then also YouTube, Fresh Out, at F-R-E-S-H-O-U-T. Is that right? Yep. Good. Want to make sure our, our listeners without the video got that as well. Man, dude, I, I really appreciate your time. It, it's always motivational. You just you just got me off the news addiction for the next week. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Hopefully it's longer than that. Well, it's going to be. I gotta, you got to start with the baby steps, though, right? <laughs> got to build, build that anti-news muscle. I will. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be in that gym starting this. I started about half an hour ago, actually. When, we, when I heard you talking about it. So uh, that's great, man. I, I thank you for that. Um, I think I heard you say you were trying to get that painting to Kevin Hart. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I painted this. I know he's a big car guy. So I'm like, you know, hopefully um, I'll catch him at an event or something and um, and get it in his hands and get a picture or something with him because, you know, uh, I think the guy's very entertaining and I, I love his work. Yeah, that's great. You, you did me a big solid tonight. Um, in, in my day job, um, I'm producing crazy shows all over the world now and got a big comedy show in uh, Abu Dhabi in February. And uh, guess who the headliner is? Um, so, so I think Kevin, I, Hart? Kevin Hart's a headliner. Yes. Oh, so I, I might, I'm not certain, but probably could help you at that connection and definitely would, uh, with your blessing, would like to try it. Man, let me know, brother. I mean, like I said, I did it with him in mind and uh, he's one of my favorite comedians, man. And I know he's a car guy like me. So, um, I just felt like I had a connection with him. Awesome. I, I, I will I'm do what I can for sure. Dude, it's so good to see you. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing your heart and your wisdom. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. This is a great hour, dude. And uh, do please catch up with Marcus at Fresh Out on YouTube at Big Herc 916 
on YouTube and on Instagram. And uh, Marcus, blessings, man. Keep uh, keep everything going the way you're the way you're going. Thank you, Rick. Thank you for the opportunity, bro. And I look forward to talking to you and staying in touch, man. Same here. My pleasure, as always. See you soon, my friend. All right. Bye-bye.